ask you to open up your King James Bible, please, to 2 Peter chapter number 1. This will be our last lesson on these things. <laughs> Get it? Um, 2 Peter chapter number 1. But probably all of these are absolutely must and important. But this one, even in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it talks about charity. So the others are mentioned constantly throughout the Bible, but charity has almost a whole half chapter off by itself. And so the greatest of these is charity, the Bible talks about. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that tonight in context here with 2 Peter chapter number 1, starting in verse number 4. I'll read out loud. You follow along with me, if you would, please, and we'll go that way. 2 Peter, by the way, let's start verse number 1. I'll point something out to you. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith. So he said, okay, this is for the saved. I'll talk to you saved people, okay? Uh, faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So that's a done deal, all right? He said, grace be unto you, multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge. Now understand, now he's not talking about eternal life. He's talking about now that you have life. The knowledge and stuff you need right now to live this kind of a life. He's saying, so here's what he's saying. Watch what he's saying. Through the knowledge of him who hath called us to glory and virtue. And virtue. Whereby are given unto, because of that, because this is what you need. This is the way God wants us to live. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these things, these great and precious promises, and these things that we're getting ready to talk about or finish up, ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Not once you get to heaven, not once you get your changed body, right now. All these things we've been talking about is not for when you get to heaven. It's right now. You're saved. He addressed that in, in verse number one and two. He said, those of you that are already saved, he said, I need to talk to you about something. And he said, through the knowledge I'm going to tell you things that what he's talking about here, uh, uh, through the knowledge of him that hath called you unto glory and virtue, whereby are given. Because of that, you've been called unto this virtue, and I'm going to give you knowledge on how now to live that kind of a life. This is what this is all about. Okay, so watch what he says here. Uh, that by these things, the middle of verse number four, that by these things you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped, talking about the nature you have now. Not one day going to get the divine nature. You're saved. You have the, you're a child of God. Right. You're his, he's your father. You're his son. You have his nature by accepting Christ as Savior. Right. This is what he's talking about. He's not talking about when we get to heaven. He's talking about right now. He said, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That's not talking about heaven. That's not talking about once you get your new body. That's talking about right now. And besides this, give all diligence. Now, we've talked about all of this. All diligence add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, that's what we'll talk about tonight, charity. For if these things, or because, because, for, or because, same thing. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you. You don't have to make you. If these be in you, they make you, watch what he says here, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. It's just too much ignorance, and I mean just not knowing about what God wants and doesn't want and what he means and what he doesn't mean and what is that talking about and what does that have to do with me. There's just too much of that among God's people. So... But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged. Quit living like the world. We have forgotten the great. I was thinking today, have you ever thought, is this thing really real? I mean, this whole Christian thing. We say, yeah, because of the Bible, yes, okay. What if it's not? How would you know on this side? How do you know? You know what I do when those thoughts try to invade my mind? I go back to the day I was saved. And I rehearse the whole thing in my mind. And I say, if none of this is true, 
what in the world was that all about? Because, I mean, I changed immediately. I mean, there was a difference in me before I got up off the altar. I mean, everything changed 180 degrees. The other, I was going to say 360. That put me right back where I was. 180 degrees. I was kidding. 180 degrees. And so go back. That's why you have to nail this thing down about did you get saved or didn't you? You guessing about it when times like that come and the devil's great at suggesting. Is that not what he did with Adam and Eve? God really say that? We start thinking this way and the next thing you know is, well, who knows if this is really true? Go back to the day you got saved. Why have you been changing all these years? I was listening to a sermon uh, by actually the guy that all of our kids are going to listen to down at camp. And I was just listening. Was, he was listening to it, and I walked by, and I said, who's that? And he said, well, that's Joe Brown. And I said, uh, so he's always preaching a message. I stood there maybe for 30 seconds and caught on to about four or five things just like that. Check this out. This whole new... okay this whole thing about all of these second generation uh, church children going in a completely different direction they're the second generation there are those who grew up in a protected home a good church a mom and a dad for the most part uh, had the bible handed to them went to all the camps went to all the revivals know all the big preachers know all the songs they've never had to endure much of anything they've never had to have their own faith tested and yet they have all of this knowledge that went to their head never sunk down into their heart and the older people that went with them are those who gave in to their children. Think about it. He just said that in passing, and I went, that's true. So now we have a generation growing up underneath of us. We call, I call them church kids. They know everything about this church, everything about all the people. Hey, they're on the front row. They're in this church. They're running things already. You got the little gang over here, little gang over here, you know, and uh, they don't know one color, one nation from another. They don't care. And so they're all hanging around. Here. Do you understand what is going to motivate them? They already seen it all, done it all, been everywhere. Well, you grew up here. You saw the buildings going up. You saw the people being saved. You saw the buses rolling, all these new starts. And many of your age group walked out. Why would you do that? And they think that they can actually make this work without any pain or heartache or anything that we had to go through. Check out who it is. It's the second generation Christians that grew up having everything almost handed to them. This is what suffering helps you to do. Appreciate what God has given you. God here is saying, you, you're going to need to stand. Now, I'm going to give you the knowledge and the equipment you need to do this. So the life that I gave you, people will be able to recognize the life I gave. I have the life, eternal life. I have that now. I have it now. I'm not going to get eternal life. I have it right now. I'm sealed with the Holy Ghost until the day of redemption. I cannot lose my salvation if, if I went around and murdered everybody. I'm not going to. I'm just saying. I can't. Why? Because not my promise. It's God's promise. So God is saying, this is what you need. And when we we start going the other way, he said, here, he that lacketh, he's blind. He cannot see. You forgot you were purged from your old sins. Why would you do this? You forgot. You don't appreciate. You don't go back and rehearse. You're not going back and be thankful again. You keep looking with longing eyes towards something you don't have when you've got the greatest thing you could possibly have. So here's what he says to do. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence, make your calling and election sure. Were you called to Christ? Okay, nail that thing down. Nail it down. God called you to himself. Now nail it down. Quit guessing about this thing. Well, I don't know. Well, who knows? Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Nail it down. Get it down once and for all. Do you belong to Christ or don't you? Are you going to mind him or aren't you? 
Are you sold on this or aren't you? It's going to come down to that, and you're going to have a decision to make, and you are going to follow the very people that some of you keep listening to. Because you don't want to know why? You haven't nailed this thing down. You're not set on this yet. And yet, you got saved here, baptized here, were taught here. Everybody that left here and other churches like ours, they were taught from day one. Everything about the Bible, church work, soul winning, bus routes, probably went to a Christian school. What did they get saved from? Somebody got a phone on or something? Please turn it off. Somebody has... Oh, yeah, she don't want to stand up right now. Mm-hmm. Your face is turning red. Oh, wasn't yours? Hers? Now you're lying in church. Oh, my soul. She forgot she was purged from her old sins. And uh, so watch what it says here. And so he says this. He said, uh, verse number 10, Wherefore, the rather give all diligence, make your calling and election sure for or because if you do these things, ye shall never fall. Falling isn't just going off in a deep sin. If you're supposed to be here and you're living down here now, you fell. You call that backsliding. Backsliding means I should be here and going forward and now I'm back here somewhere. You slid back. You went backward. You cannot get closer to the world and get closer to God at the same time. It's impossible. It's impossible. So watch what he says here. For an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly to the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent. This is where the preachers are messing up. They're becoming negligent to remind their people about that which have been preached and taught for decades and decades and decades. We're not doing it. We're looking for something new because this has all become boring to us. I have already preached on John 3.16. Well, like you've, you've went to all the depths of John 3.16. That's a foolish statement. Yeah. So watch what he said. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, uh, Peter's talking about his body, to stir you up and putting you in remembrance. That's what preachers have to do a lot. Quit always looking for something new. Put your people constantly in remembrance of what they've already heard, what they've already heard, what they've already heard. Teachers, what's the best way to teach? Repetition, 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 repetition. Dr. Jack Hiles said one time, preachers make a huge mistake by not going back and revisiting a truth. Statistically, when you hear a truth for the first time, that's all that happened. You heard it. It takes somewhere between five to seven times before a person finally understands it and begins to apply it to their life. So watch what he says here. Knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, verse 14, is what he's talking about himself. Even as our Lord Jesus Christ had showed me, told him he was going to be crucified, he was going to die. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, after I'm dead, to have these things always in remembrance. Peter, like Paul, said, look, now when I leave, grievous wolves are going to come in, and they're not going to spare the flock. They were, they were staying their distance because of Paul. The old man was still on the scene, and Paul said, yeah, I know. You, you can send bold letters, but I'll show up here sooner or later, and then I'll set things straight. But when Paul was gone, he said, I know what's going to happen. Grievous wolves shall come in, not sparing the flock. Here, Peter's saying, look, I'm getting ready to part. I know what's going to happen. And he was very concerned about it, so I'm going to tell you again and put you in remembrance of these things. So we're not wasting time here on a Thursday night just going, oh, preacher's still talking about it. These things can save your very life. Not talking about salvation. Talking about the life God gave you so that you don't have to be ashamed at his appearing. So we're not preaching. We're getting ready to teach. So, Father, thank you for the Bible. Please help us. Amen. Now, you can be seated. Go look down to verse number 7, uh, the last part there. We're talking about charity. Charity is a perfect translation. So when people go, well, you know, the translated word is this. It's perfect translated word for the word love. The Greek word is actually agape, A-G-A-P-E, with a little emphasis. Uh, What he's simply talking about here, agape love, listen to me very carefully, married couples, people who say you love this church, listen to me very carefully. Agape love is a dedicated, on purpose, committed love. Doesn't seem to make your heart swell, does it? You mean on purpose, because it's needed, that's it? Mm-hmm. I'd rather have that 
than phileo, which is an affectionate, feely kind of love because you make me feel good. So what happens when you wake up and I don't make you feel good anymore? This is what's happening to Christians. It was, the, it was the agape love that Jesus showed on the cross and that for God so loved agape, the world, on purpose. He didn't do it because we were lovable and all that mystical feeling. You know how you get in sweaty palms and a, not that kind of love. This was on purpose, dedicated, committed love that God showed toward us. And now God is talking about here charity is the kind of love that we're supposed to have right here. Phileo love is that when you hear love songs, it, it's that kind of love. Nothing about commitment. Right. Nothing about uh, you know going all out no matter what. That's agape love. Phileo love is this is, is this kind of mystical. Most relationships, most marriages are built on a phileo love. But you should eventually, and I'm okay with that. But eventually, it ought to work into a committed love. You made the right. vows here, but you had no idea what that commitment may entail. Right. But the longer you stay married, the more you figured out. Wow, that's a lot of commitment. I didn't know it meant that. That's why it needs to be committed and not built on feelings. But if this is, is, if this is not, if phileo, if this if feeling, this, this relationship that most of us have, if this is not charity, I must have this quality, I must have this characteristic, or I can't claim any of these things because that's one of these things. And so charity, I have to have the right kind of charity, love, it can't be phileo. Why? Well, I, I love everybody because I'm just fo- so full of love. That's phileo. Mm-hmm. Right. One is a committed love that no matter what, I told you I would love you no matter what, and that's it. Well, I don't feel like it. So you just jump back over and phileo. Right. Jesus did not love us because we were lovable. Right. He didn't love us because he got all squishy and, 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 and all fuzzy about, oh, I just love those people. That's not what he did. It was a committed love. He made a decision. Yeah. He made a commitment. And thank God that he did. And so turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Now, I'm going to use the word love. See, our English word love, there's a lot of different uh, Latin and Greek words for our one word love. Um, Phileo, uh, that's Greek uh, also. um, um, Agape, there is another one that has to do with a whorish person uh, and all of these, but our, our word love. So when I talk love up here to a lot of our bus kids and maybe some of you in your past, you're thinking about something sexual, something dirty, something. And by the way, God invented that. What made it dirty was the devil in the world. It wasn't God. But look at the way most people think about it. That's why preachers have to almost be careful, even using a biblical word at times, because right. people's mind go in a direction he really don't want them to go. So here's what we find out. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to use the word love for charity. Okay? But watch what happens here. Just remember, I have to have these things in me and abounding. Right? If not, I cannot have any of the promises. Not one of them or two of them. I can't have any of them. They have to be, I got to do it as fast as I can do it right, because I don't have a lot of time to waste. I got to get this down. God said, these things will keep you. You got to get this in your life. And so here's what we find out here in 1 Corinthians. Look at verse number 1 through 3. Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels and have not charity, I become as a sounding brass, and it's just a bunch of noise. So this charity thing seems to be pretty important. Verse 2, and though I have the gift of prophecy, ooh, I heard about that, and understand all mystery, ooh, and have all knowledge, and though I have all faith, ooh, there it is, that I could remove mountains and have not charity. I'm nothing. So i got to know what this charity thing is. See, we always king in on that which is more minor, if you would, than that which is more emphasized, charity. What do you pay attention to? Healing, tongues, knowledge, prophecy, right? Hear about that all the time. What about charity? Because we find out here that all of these gifts, charity is the main thing. So what is this charity thing? So watch what he says here. Look at verse number three. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Now that sounds like charity, doesn't it? And that we call charity? Giving away stuff to people who maybe have a need? We call that charity, don't we? Okay, watch what he says. And though I give my body to be, whoa, man, that's about as far as you can go right there, isn't it? Watch what he says. And have not charity. Everything I just did, 
doesn't profit a bit. So this charity thing seems to be pretty important here. It does not mean if I don't have love, my giving, I shouldn't give because I don't love properly. That's not what he's talking about. Example, if a person's hungry and you give them $10, which I wouldn't suggest you do that. I'd suggest you buy them something. But let's assume we're going to talk about money. Let's assume you say, I give them $10. I really didn't want to, but I, ah, whatever, I'll give to them anyway. Okay? So this is what you kind of do. Now listen to me carefully. It will benefit him or her because they're hungry. But it won't profit you a bit. You say, I just did a good thing. Not when it comes to Bible charity. Because Bible charity isn't, I give everything away to everybody else. Philanthropy, you know what that is? When someone is a philanthropist, philanthropy, we'll stick with that one. What they do, they want to do everything they can for mankind. So they give stuff away and they help people and they charities and they do all this kind of stuff. Why would a person do that? He said, I'm just trying to help. Can I tell you something? If it is not the proper kind of love, it makes them feel good, makes them feel important, that's phileo. Here we're talking about a committed, whether this turns out the way that you think it should or not, I am committed to loving you and helping you. This is what Jesus Christ did for us. So here's what happens here. It won't profit you. But if you have godly love and give, it will profit you. If you have the right kind of love in your actions, it'll profit you. If you don't, it will profit the person you're trying to help, but it won't profit you. Someone has said one time that God loveth a cheerful giver. Well, actually, that's Bible. But he'll take money from a grouch. It's just the point is the grouch will not benefit from it. But the church will, the person will, whoever will, because it will go and do what it was intended to do, but it just will not profit you. So God will wants us to learn how to give. That's like tithing. Tithing isn't something, oh, I just look forward to this, and I do. I really do. I like to give. I like to help. I really do. And that's why I don't try to say too much other than at times I feel I have to to set an example to let you know. Preacher's doing it. Okay. But most of the time, it's just a agape. It's a commitment to this place to my Savior, to you, I'm going to do it because I gave my word. It's a right thing to do, and I'm going to commit myself to it. In verse number four, it says here that charity, love, if you would, suffereth long. Now, keep in mind, we're trying to meet a qualification so that we can get these promises that the Bible's talking about. But I need to know what this proper, what is charity? If it's love, I want to have the right kind of love because if I don't, I'm not going to get these things in order. And if I don't get them in order, I can't have these promises. And that's what I'm after. So let's judge ourselves and see if we have love. Verse number four, love suffereth long. Or love is long-suffering. Love is long-suffering. Therefore, if what we call love is not suffering long, you don't have the right kind of godly love. That's it. I'm done with you. That's not godly love. But you said you love. I know what I said, but I don't anymore. That's. No, I'm not trying to be mean to anybody. Okay, I'm just trying to let you know what I believe this is talking about here. You see, what happens here is it is not godly love. It's not agape. It's phileo. The phrase love suffereth long, if we were to paraphrase it, would simply mean that love is long-suffering. This kind of love is long-suffering. The kind of love he's talking about in 2 Peter chapter 1 is talking about suffering long in giving your love. We have learned about patience and long-suffering, yes? So here's what we found out. Patience comes with, to learn it, comes with discomfort and hurt and pain caused by what? Circumstances. Way to go. Thank you very much. Uh, and then we also found out, watch how close they come together. Then we come to find out that long-suffering, discomfort, hurt, and pain caused by, here's where it changes, a person or people. So they both, in order to learn them, in order to apply it, come with discomfort and hurt and pain. But one comes because of the circumstances that comes to us, and the other comes from people that are around us. Long-suffering is a greater quality than patience. 
Now, in this life, we're going to face them both. Circumstances are come, going to come against you, and people are going to come against you. You remember Job? Job, uh, by the way, you should have just got through reading through Job, and now we're into Psalms, if you're reading through your Bible. He lost his cattle. He lost his sheep. He lost his camels. He lost his wealth and all of that stuff. And he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. What is that? Long-suffering. I'm sorry, patience, patience, patience. Patience has to do with circumstances. Has to do with circumstances, right? Follow me? Okay, you were right. I was wrong. He lost his health. He lost his influence. He lost his home. And he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Patience. Circumstances. Things. But watch this. When his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? He again continued to trust the Lord. Here's where it changes. Long-suffering. You never hear people refer to the long-suffering of Job. You hear people talk about, because our minds first go to the material loss. It's just the way we're built. It's the way we've been taught to think. When his so-called friends came and, 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 and so-called comforters came to him and he endured that, he endured, endured their, their, their comments and their misjudgments and continued to trust the Lord. He didn't attack them in, in return. He defended himself. You know what you call that? Long-suffering. Why? Had to do with people. Had to do with people. And oh, by the way, in case you're biting and grinning your teeth and saying that's kind of what I do, so these people that hurt you real bad, you pray for them too, right? Job did. By the way, that's when you find out the Lord turned Job's captivity around. So if you are in a circumstance that is uncomfortable to you, causing you hurt and causing you problems, causing you trouble, yet you endure it and keep doing what's right, you have patience. Nothing wrong with that. It's a good deal. But we're talking about charity now. And charity comes with several different types of, if you would, when we talk about the word love. Charity, though, specifically is talking about a committed, dedicated, it belongs to you. I give it to you. I'll keep giving it to you. Not I'll keep giving it to you. I'm, you know what I'm saying? But if you are being opposed by a person or people, if you are, are, if they're causing you trouble and discomfort and hurt, and you perhaps uh, causing you all this trouble, yet you endure it and continue to care and do what's right, long-suffering. You have charity. Charity isn't just giving stuff to people. Right. Charity is a committed, promised, dedicated love. I give to you. Think about it in the context of God so loved the world. Of Jesus the way he loves you. Good thing that's not phileo, huh? Kind of a mystical, fuzzy feeling, palm sweating. As long as that's there, we must love each other. Well, I'm glad it's not that way with our Lord. He is, is a, an agape, dedicated, purposeful love. Watch this. If you are ever to claim these tremendous promises, you have to have that kind of charity, that kind of love. Right. And you, now, I'm not passing judgment. I'm simply trying my best to explain. I'm not on, am I? Okay, let's do that that way in case I take it on the road. There we go. Now, watch what happens here. So what happens here, charity or love, agape, real love, if you would, if you hurt me, I still love you and treat you right. That's agape. Whether it's on purpose or by accident. Whether it's done out of ignorance or you set out to hurt me. I will find out if I have the agape love, the charity that the Bible's talking about. If no matter what you do, I didn't say I didn't get hurt, I cried, it made me sad. But in return, I continue to do what's right towards you. That's agape love. I do it on purpose. I didn't do it because it felt good anymore. I didn't do it because you deserved it. I did it because there was a commitment there. If you hurt me and I no longer show love towards you, it's not agape, it's phileo, and it's not the real kind of love. Love is that which you give to someone. Here's what hurts more. Those that are supposed to love us in return change and attack. We cannot seem to justify 
why we need to continue to love them and, and, and be nice to them. Because God said. That's our reason right there. Again, love endures hurt and pain and discomfort caused by the object of our love. This is what hurts so bad. Between husband and wife, children and mom and dad and uh, people in church with their preacher and, and things. This is what hurts so bad. We have this false security that as long as we're both perfect and both of us treat each other right, we can love each other. That's not agape love. Agape love is not if you do me, I'll do you. If you treat me right, I'll treat you right. Think about your Savior again. So you're 100% treating him the way he should, right? No, here's your answer. No. So he didn't cross his arm and say, okay, then that's it. I'm done. This was a 50-50 proposition. No, it wasn't. For God so loved the world. We didn't come searching for him. He came searching for us. He already knew. You messed up. I know you'll mess up after you get saved. Not mess up. I know you'll sin. Some will do atrocious things after you're saved. And God will not pull away from you. He made a commitment and said, I am determined. I have made a commitment. I will love you to the end of the world. Thank God for that. So what do I mean? You as parents, it's amazing how much discomfort, hurt, and trouble your children can cause. Now, those of you as little kids, you're not up to speed with this yet, but you will be. Yet you refuse to give up or give in to them. And exactly right. That's exactly what you should, should not do is give in or give up. All of their life you have supported them and clothed them and fed them and taught them and protected them and committed an extraordinary amount of love towards them, the object of your love, only to have them many times hurt you, the very ones you love. And do you know what you do? You do not change right or you shouldn't. You do not find new rules and establish new things. Most moms and dads just absorb the pain, try to straighten things out, and keep on going. This person that actually lives in your home, that came from your body, that you have done everything for, sacrificed, couldn't have a car or furniture or live in a nice place because of the kids. But that's okay. I love them. You gave yourself to them. Only to come find out when they're teenagers or young adults, they start telling you what they like and don't like. And it's very, very hurtful. And you know what you do? You read them the right act, or should. And the way things are going to be after they've run away, after they've lied, after they've embarrassed you, after they cost you maybe your job because you had to keep going down the courthouse, or you see, uh, you, you finally say this, look, you're always welcome here, and I'll always love you, and I'll help you with anything as soon as you decide to get right with God. See that last part? Did you catch that last part? Did you catch the last part? Too many of us are allowing all that to come back in, and they never got right with God. Do you know what's getting ready to happen? You just said, no matter what you do, I'll love you anyway. And I think you should. After all that, look how much hurt that was. And yet you want them close to you again. Isn't that amazing? That's not just the love of a mother. Jesus was that way. Christians are supposed to be that way. Oh, there's not a love like a mother. I beg to differ with you. Yes, there is. By the way, today, there's a lot of moms who care less about their kids. Time, uh, true love is not, I'll love you and treat you right as long as you love me and treat me right. Charity, agape, is love that suffers long. Suffers long. Suffers long. Hurts long. Endures long. Mistreated long. Keeps right on going and saying, I still love you. I'm still going to treat you right. I'm still going to do what's right to do. Some of you parents have no idea how much your love will be called into play before those kids grow up and leave your home. But like the second generation Christians you are, you don't believe that. You actually believe if you do it all right, it's like they don't have a human nature, a sinful nature. They'll do everything perfectly. But right now they don't have a choice. 
You beat the tar out of them if they don't. You're bigger than them, right? If we could transfer that same type of love and dedication that moms and dads, most of them, have towards their kids, towards the people in our own church, think what would happen. Do you want others to see your children's sins? No. Oh, oh you do? No. Okay, then here's what you do. Okay? I want to hear it rattle. Okay. Do you want others to forgive and treat your kids right even though they've messed up? Yes, you do. If we could transfer that from our own families to our church family. Do you want others to be patient and keep trying to help your child even though they're doing their best to jump the fence and get out of Christianity? You're hoping somebody will reach them. Somebody will talk to them. Somebody will help them. Right? You do understand this is a church family. It's a body. Right? It's what it's referred to. You say, but preacher, it's so hard to do something for others when they, here's the key word, purposely hurt me. Well, that's why it hurts so bad. If it was was accident, you could excuse it almost. If it was done, they didn't realize it. "Eh, They probably didn't realize that. But purposely, do you remember what the Bible says? And those who purposely use you, what are you supposed to do? Love them. Didn't say go along with them. Didn't say shoot them. Didn't say ignore them. But it hurts. And I know. And you cannot do it. You can't do it. What I'm telling you now, you can't do. You cannot do it. It's needed and you need to provide, but you can't provide it. You say, wait a minute. You just told me I had to have this and you're telling me what's supposed to happen. Now you're telling me I can't do it. That's exactly what I'm telling you. Listen to me very carefully here. It needs to be added, but it will take you allowing the Holy Spirit of God. I want you to turn to Romans 5, 5. Romans 5, 5. Right before, we're in 1 Corinthians, go to Romans 5, 5. Sometimes we get to the place that where it sounds like hope is just ridiculously silly and obnoxious. Oh yeah, you're still hoping for that, aren't you? Can I show you something in the Bible? Look at Romans 5, 5. And hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God, agape, is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You have him. He preached on that the other night. You have him. And he is the one that can shed the love of God in your heart. Why do I need that in my heart? Just so everybody will love me? No, so you can love everybody. So that you can love everybody. So this impossible loving people that don't treat you right is very possible. But you cannot produce that. It's done by the Holy Ghost of God. We do not demonstrate godly love, real love, when we love those who love us. When we treat people right who treat us right. When we give to people who give us. That's not godly love. Not at all. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter 5. Go down to verse number 40. Oh, sorry, wrong chapter. Matthew, there it is. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 43. Verse number 43. But I say unto you, love your, whoa, love your enemies. Agape, your enemy. Do it on purpose. Do it because it's required. Do it because it's needed. Do it because God said. Not because you feel like it. I don't feel like loving them right now. Sorry. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Sounds purposeful. And do good to them that hate you. You, That's not accident. You can't crucify somebody by accident. That was done purposeful. And what did he say? Father, forgive them. God, please don't pull back your love from these people. They need you. You love people because they need your love. You don't love them because they're lovely. You love them because they need your love. And and how bad of us to use our love and forgiveness as a tool against somebody else. I don't care what you do. I'm not going to do that. Sinful shame on you. Watch what he says. 
them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. What does that mean? I'm already saved. So they'll recognize you as being like God in heaven. Watch what he says. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. And so, you know what he's saying? I know that farmer cusses, smokes, chews, looks at pornography. I know that. I love that guy. Not because of what he's doing, but because of who he is. I made a commitment. Before the world ever began, I gave my son for that guy right there. Just like he did for you who think that I've never done anything wrong anymore. We've got to quit lying to ourselves and patting ourselves. Folks, we are in danger of losing everything that we have, your marriage, your children, this church, the cause of Christ, and the most that we ought to be concerned about is the testimony of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And what do people say? Man, that church is a mess. They're at each other's throat. What's missing? Agape love. Charity. Well, you don't know what they did. The point is, what did you do? We'll talk about giving in and all that here in just a moment. If we could simply transfer that, boy, how that would change things. Go down that next verse right there. That you may, so verse number 46, for if you love them which love you, what reward have you? That's easy to do. That's easy to do. Jesus didn't come down here to save people that already loved him because the Bible said they've all gone astray. They've all gone their own way. Every one of them turned their own way. None of them loved me like they were supposed to, like they should have. I came here to love them because they needed me. Watch what he says. Do not even the publicans the same? They love people who love them. Verse 47. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your father. Now he's not talking about don't ever do anything wrong. He's saying... This is what your heavenly father does. Rain falls on that guy's field. It's like that guy's field. This guy's a sold out, born again, soul winning Christian. And look at his crop. This guy hates the Lord. He never goes to church. And look at his crop. God said, I made it rain on both of them. Why? I made a commitment to love the world. For God so loved the world. It's a committed love. It's an agape love that God is after here. We must stop using the phrases and excuses. I don't care. It's just not right. That's why your love is needed, because it's not right. we got to stop. I can't. I didn't do anything to deserve this. It's amazing how our pride can swell up that quick because of a mistreatment. And God is trying to teach us what's lacking is the love of God shed across in your heart. Well, I'm just not that way. You never will be until you start yielding to the Holy Spirit of God. What we need to do is start saying this. Why don't you obey God's word? Just do that. What does God say about it? I don't care. See, there's your problem. Well, do you know what they... It doesn't matter. What are you going to do? It's like apologizing and asking for forgiveness. We're so concerned about what they'll do, if they'll accept it, how will they react. God's not concerned about that. That's his problem with the other kid. He just wants to know, will you do what I told you to do? That's what God's concerned about. Why not try growing beyond what you feel? See, you're thinking right now like, oh, man. It's impossible, right? For you, yes. Holy Spirit, no. Why not desire to love beyond your human capacity? Let the Holy Spirit... The love of God across your heart. Expand things beyond the limits that you've set for forgiveness and loving other people. Why not get to the place where you quit talking about the love of God and start demonstrating the love of God? I think I do. Really? So if somebody mistreats you, you're done with them? It's over? They become your enemy? Watch, I know what you're doing. Well, not my enemy. I just don't have anything to do with Okay, great. Remember, if you want these almost unbelievable promises, those six, these eight things, and charity is one of those things, and charity by definition is agape love that suffers long. Well, I think I have. Suffers long. Here's your suffer long. No, suffer long. Well, that's all I can take. That's the problem. You need God's help. 
One is charity, godly love, and devoted love. The other is phileo. As long as I feel good about you, as long as you treat me right, as long as we're kind of in this together, we're okay here. But you have to understand it's devoted, committed, committed. I think there's a huge misunderstanding, and I'm not poking anybody. Honestly, I'm not. I know who's been married, remarried, divorced. I got it. I got it. I understand that. I tend to believe that you think Mrs. Bell and I have this perfect marriage. I'm not trying to, to discourage anybody, but let's just bring a little reality into all this, okay? You honestly believe two people can be together for 50 years and we don't have problems? Look, you're staring at me like, oh no, preacher, not you too. <laughs> See, you just don't want to face the reality. Yeah, right. I can tell you exactly how we got there. It's not because of a lack of heartache or a lack of problems or a lack of sin or a lack of misunderstanding or a lack of fighting. It is what I'm trying to teach you right now. Yeah. God said, you stay together. Amen. Okay, stay together. Yeah. God said, you love and forgive each other. Okay, then we'll love and forgive each other. Now, how are you going to know if that's possible and it can be done until something has hurt you and attacked you? You don't know. But in 50 years, you're bound to know. But you tend to believe you watch an older couple sitting down holding hands. Or oh, isn't that sweet? Brother, that's war that's been put behind them. We're human beings with sinful natures, a man and a woman, totally different. She's going through the change of life. You're going through midlife crisis. The kids don't want to mind. You both don't see eye to eye on how to raise those little brats. And the next thing you know, you're questioning the preacher. Everything's going against you. What are you going to do? Well, I feel like, see, there's where you messed up. Where's your dedication to your church? Well, our church has problems. Oh, shock me again. Yeah. Tell me something I haven't figured out yet. He said, Bridget, why do you stay? Commitment. Yeah. Somebody asked John Rice a long time ago, driving the car, said, why are you and Mrs. Rice been together all these years? Because you love her so much or is it because of commitment? He said, commitment, no doubt about it. Yeah. They were shocked. You mean it's not because of love? He said, I didn't say I didn't love her. But I'd rather get up and know I have committed my love and my care to right. you than to get up and say, I still feel like I love you. Because that's going to be put to the test. Charity suffereth long. Charity is an active, not a passive word. Example, you have no idea the depth of love that you have for your spouse. I don't care how miraculous you think your marriage and honeymoon is. Until it's been put to the test. Until one, on purpose, loses it, we'll call it that, loses it and attacks or gives up. Kind of like we do Jesus on a regular basis. We blame him, accuse him murmur against him, don't talk to him half the time, we stub up, we walk off, we backslide, we sin. God, Jesus, you still love me? Absolutely. Absolutely. I made a commitment. I love you no matter what. He's not saying no matter what you do, I'll put up with that. He's saying the love has nothing to do with you. It has to do with me. You understand that? You you married couples are going to have to do that. The greater the pain, the hurt, the injustice endured, you still treat the other person properly and rightfully. Agape love. Charity. Purposeful. Remember, long-suffering. Discomfort, hurt, and pain caused by a person or people. I have counseled... Uh, don't let it get too warm in here. I have counseled with... Um, couple of women years ago one came in crying and here's what she said she said you probably think I'm silly after everything that he has done he's been unfaithful lying he, 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 he went off a couple of times and I just can't leave him you probably think that's really silly 
You know what I told her? I told her, I do not think badly of you because you love more deeply than the hurt they inflicted. I'm going to blame you for loving somebody too much. They thought I would do that. I'm not going to do that. By the way, you who give advice on divorce, separation, or retaliation, because that's what you would do, you know nothing about the love of Christ. Nothing. Nothing about it. I'm just trying to help them. No, you're not helping them. You're simply divulging you know nothing about the true love of God. You do not give people that kind of advice. It's against the Bible. After all they did, you say the Bible gives a certain right. Is that what you're looking for? The out? You're looking for that? You know the Bible, even if you commit adultery, the Bible doesn't say you have to get a divorce. Nothing in the Bible says you have to get a divorce. Look at me. Nothing in the Bible says you have to get a divorce. These younger people here have got to understand that there is a commitment that comes, or don't get married. Doesn't make any difference. Sickness and health. The wealth part, most of us never get to anyway. You understand that? God is trying to help deepen our love by allowing us to hurt. This is what this next generation that thinks they're going to run the world for Christ, this is what they're doing. They're not going to suffer any hurt, any injustice, and they think they have an answer to everything. What happens when none of that works? There has to be a dedicated, on purpose, I love because God told me to, and I will. Well, I'll do it no matter what. Sorry, wrong attitude. God has covered all the bases. Quit setting limits on God using you because you don't want to learn a greater love that he wants to offer to you. You ever wonder why the Bible said through suffering Jesus was made perfect? Well, that's what the Bible says. He was made perfect through suffering. I used to fall. What? Wasn't he perfect before he got here? So I guess maybe that was for us, huh? You know what he's saying? We can fellowship a lot better once you know the sufferings of Jesus Christ, the fellowship of his sufferings. How can you talk to him about real love and sacrifice if you never, you won't go. It's not that God's not trying to help you. You don't want to. You're not going to. I don't have to. No, but you should. And God is trying to help us learn how to do that. You see, when an injustice or a tragedy or calamity or devastation happens, you say, I never thought it would happen to me by that person, that church, that preacher, that family member. Did I cover all the bases? I am not a great Christian, but everything I just mentioned to you, I went through. And many of you have too. Church, family, whatever. Injustice, on purpose, walked out. I don't care. You're on your own. So what would you do? I simply turned to Christ this is what my wife and I have always done. I keep trying to tell how did you get through that? I know this doesn't make sense. We simply held on to each other and yielded to what God wanted and just kept walking. Sunday morning church, we go to church. Crying like a little baby. I don't even know what was preached, but I was where God told me to be. See, you don't do that. So some, I can't go to church this way. You're disobeying God. How are you going to learn to follow the Lord through hurts and devastation if you don't learn to follow the Lord through hurts and devastations? The same thing with people in church. It would shock you to know how many times I have been... You won't believe this. If it's not one thing, it's another. How many times I've been questioned or even criticized for several things. One, patience towards someone who keeps messing up. Preacher, how many more times are you going to give them an opportunity? Well, I guess I could have shot them last week, got over with. Or patience towards someone who just keeps messing up. Every time they turn around, they're messing up. Like David over here. But anyway. You got a great compliment tonight by a woman. It's okay, Dad. It's my sister. You're changing, buddy. And for the better, too. But there for a while, it was a little touch and go. People wondered. Once you yield to what God wants, everything becomes a whole lot easier to do. Same thing with this. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. What happens is giving someone who blew it another chance to make it right. 
I've been criticized for doing that. And I have to admit, if I, if I have a flaw, among my many flaws is, well, let's just, let's just keep an eye on it and see what happens. Well, let's just, I'll talk to him. Months go by, I haven't talked to him yet. I've been criticized. I'll tell you what you do. Once you become the leader of your church, you do what you think you need to do. Just remember several things. Souls are at stake. Calls of Christ are at stake. And you want to answer to him for your flock. I felt like the Pope right then. Didn't I? So, it's amazing. They think that I still talk to people who have hurt me and my family. And yet they go to a different church now. It did hurt. No, I didn't like it. No, I wished it hadn't happened. So what, you want me to hate people? Is that what I should do? Whether you want to, is that what I should do? Reach out, teach them a lesson. It's hard enough for me to control my flesh when something like that happens. So I have to run to the Bible. So what does God want? What am I supposed to do, God? What am I supposed to do in a situation like this? I have to do what God wants me to do. Look, I'd like to think after 51 years, I've learned something, not much, but something about the love of Christ toward other people. How long have you been saved? You should have learned something about not your love for others, the love of Christ that's supposed to be in you for other people. You would think, I'd hope after 51 years of being taught by God about other people, Gnosko, man, we talked about that. The treatment of other people. That's what this is all about. Even the Ten Commandments, four of them was about God and six of them were about people. God is saying, you live among people. You've got to learn how I, if I were there and I'm in you, how you're supposed to act towards other people. And let's admit it, people can be awfully snotty. Oh, now you agree with that. Yeah, that's true, preacher. But when I talk about love, it's like, "Mm, I don't know if that's true. Understand something. To correct someone, now listen to me carefully in case you think I'm getting all mushy. To correct someone, to put a stop to a problem, to take someone out of a job does not mean I hate them. You did wrong. You don't fit there. We've got to make a change. But I know you didn't like me. No, I still like you. You ever wonder sometimes I get done from here, I'm foaming at the mouth, I'm sweating, I'm running all over everybody, I'm screaming, yelling about everything. I get done from here, boy, it's good to see you tonight. I'm glad that you're here. You say, what happened to the guy who was in the pulpit? I'm not Jekyll and Hyde. i got to make a stand and clear the house when I'm up here and make sure everybody understands. Then when I come down there, I'm working with real people. You understand? I do not quit loving you because I found out you're not perfect. Why do we do that? We don't let sin run rampant here. Jesus died for sinners. He committed himself before the world ever began as a lamb slain for sinners. I know what you people are and you can't help. You couldn't even love me a little bit so I would feel sorry for you. It's all on him. And this thing about agape love, this charity thing, is all on the person that was hurt. God, I'm done. I, I can't take this. Destroy the world. He'd have probably done it. But that wasn't the will of God. The will of God was they need our love. So let's commit to that. Let's give our love not for how people look at you suffering capital punishment. People lied about you and they think you're guilty. That wasn't on his mind at all. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. He knew me, yet he loved me. Just think about those two opposites. He knew me. Unlovable, sinful, not worthy. No, but he is. And he committed that love towards you. Dealing with the sinful problems of other people.
can be very, very hurtful. I missed something here. Let's go back to page one. No, thank you. Oh, I didn't want to miss that. Hmm. Well, I could do what a lot of preachers, well, evidently it was God's will. That I, that's my mind going bad. Let me explain something to you. You've been very patient. I am not here to build me. I am not here to help me. I am not here to be loved. I'm here to build you. I am here to help you. And I'm here to love you. God did not call me here and bring you here so I would feel loved, though I am. I, I, I really feel loved. Well, a couple of you anyway. You need my love. That means at times I'm going to have to simply absorb what you do sometimes. Whether you do it out of ignorance or on purpose. Look, you were just born again five years ago. I've got to be able, like a mom and dad in their home, don't do that again. Mom, you still love me? Yes, I do. Isn't that what you do? You don't do it because you feel like it. You made a commitment, an obligation. You said, I love you no matter what, but you're not going to act that way. See what you just said? Balance. You're not going to act that way, but I'll love you no matter what. It's our understanding of love. You said I couldn't. You don't love me. I ain't got a thing to do with it. You need my love the most when you failed. Isn't that true? When you've messed up? Isn't that when you need my love more than ever? My understanding more than ever? But that hurt was towards me. Your sinfulness is showing. And that's when you need my love more in the church than ever before. That's not an easy thing to do. I'm not saying this is easy. I'm saying it's what's needed. You pulled some dumb stunt again, and you're wondering. I'll tell you this story, and then I'll quit unless I have another story to tell you. I had done something royally bad, and I was standing with someone, and my first thought was this. Everything they preached, will they actually do now that I need it? Priest on love, spirit of God, pulling together, forgiving each other. And now I messed up royally towards them and I thought, oh, I hope that's true. Oh, I hope they love me. I hope they forgive me. I hope they'll let me. And they did. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I was so relieved and felt so unworthy. I felt unworthy because of their love and their forgiveness. Do you understand what I said? What draws me back to Christ no matter what I do is he still loves me. That does not make me want to run out and do a bunch of stuff. Though at times I do. (laughs) What was that, preacher? So just in case you want to always be used by God, that's a pretty good deal. Have good success. We talked about that. See the will of God more perfectly for your life. That'd be kind of important. Always have a bit of eternal happiness. I love Brother Usher. You said, well, he has to put on. We all have to put on. Because our flesh says, you can't do this. But I'm going to have to. Because sometimes it's just the way it goes. How you doing? Great. So we're going to be buried together? Can't. My wife said she's going to cremate me. Brother Usher, come on, give me a break. I told somebody that uh, they busted out laughing. I thought that was the funniest thing. We made plans to go together, didn't we? Get an extra large casket and we'll both go together. You got a date set, you. Yeah? <laughs> Is you? Never mind. A bit of eternal happiness. You know what that means? 
no matter how somebody else teaches you, through the tears, the misunderstandings. You sing and say hi to other people. and Hey, you doing okay? Oh, that's great. It's called maturity. It's called letting the Holy Spirit have his way in your life. That's something God wants to teach you and help you understand. You'll never change. You must add these things to your life. You said you said we couldn't. You yield to the Holy Spirit. He will add that to your life. You have to do that. Churches are dying. Christians are giving up so easily. It's amazing. Those in Rome, catacombs, heads cut off, beat to a pulp, people in third world countries going through the same thing, and yet they stand for Jesus because they know it's right. That's committed. We have every aspect and accountability and and caring and everything we want. I don't know. You see the way they looked at us the other night? Yeah, I, I just don't know if I can go on. That's it. There's no commitment anymore. The generation that decided to go left, left. That's what happens when you go left, you're left. They didn't go right. If you're not right, you're left, right? Okay. Because they, we've been through this before, folks, come on. Because they left, that's right. That they, correct. They're not going to suffer any injustices. I don't want to. But long-suffering is enduring. Not just, I'll take it. No, 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 no. Don't shorten the definition. Long-suffering is enduring pain, heartache, inflicted by others, and, 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 conjunction. Continue to do what is right towards them. Charity. Committed, dedicated love from you. Let's pray. Father,